notes up here. Um, but we'll, we'll do that. Let's see. Um, Mr. Brian, would you care to come up and draw a couple cards out of this bucket of mine? That would be really wonderful. All right. All right, so there are, there are cards in here, right? Okay, some of you who got them this morning. Okay, so you give me a big uh, drum roll here while Mr. Brian draws. Well, let's see, maybe three cards. Three cards tonight. Those who happen to be here. Now, you got to be present to get it here. Let's see, we got Ernest. Ernest, is he back tonight? All right, so Ernest, after the meeting, come on over and draw out one of those, draw one of the prizes on the table. Here you go. Okay, Mr. Brian, one more time. No peeking. All right. Michael Moody. All right, Michael's got one also. Okay, one more time, one more time, one more time. All right, and that says seven. All right, we'll put him back in the mix. All right, here we go. One more time, one more time. All right, Jaina. All right, so after the meeting, Jaina, you come on up and you go pick one out of there too. Very good. Now. That back down. I'm going to ask you a few more questions. Maybe it'll help you with Mr. Malcolm's review for later, also. But let me just see who was listening this morning. We said that this story was written by a certain man who was a preacher a long, long time ago. Do you remember his name? Very good. His name is John Bunyan. That's right. And he lived during what general time frame? Do you remember? Do you remember? I saw your hand first. The 1600s. That's right. He was born in 1628. Did I tell you what country? I don't know if I told you. Do you know? It, it is in England. Very good. In England. And he found himself in trouble. He got arrested for something. Does anyone remember what he did that got him arrested? Do you remember? No, you don't remember? Let's see. Isabel, what did he get arrested for? He um, preached in the church without um, having a license. That's right. He was preaching the Bible without a license from the government. And so they put him in jail for how long? Does anyone remember how long he was in jail? 12 years. That's right. Now, um, when he was, while he was in prison, he did something. He did something. Can anyone remember what he did? He wrote a story. Um, he wrote a story. Do you know what it's called? He read from the Bible. That's right. I said he had the Bible. It's only one or two books that he had. And he wrote a story while he's there. I'm trying to find some of those who might have wanted to raise their hand and didn't yet. All right. He wrote a story. We're studying it right now. What's the name of the story we're studying? Do you know? The Pilgrims? Progress. Progress. That's right. He's pro- progressing through life. Very good. The Pilgrims, he doesn't read yet. That's okay, but he's paying attention. Very good. So in this story, we met a man. All right. We met a man. Oh, that's going to go through the whole song. All right. John Bunyan. Okay, well... All right. We met a man and we noticed some things about him. What did, first of all, what is his name? He's known by three different names in this story. And I want to see if someone can remember anyone over here. I just want to check. I don't want to leave anyone out. All right. You remember the three names? Graceless, Graceless was one of them. Very good. You remember the other, any of the other two? All right. That might have jogged someone's memory. Nathaniel, what was the other names? Pilgrim and Christian. That's right, because a pilgrim is someone who 
goes on a journey, and he's going to go on a journey. Very good. When we notice some things about him, tell me two things that we noticed about this man while he was standing there in our picture. Let me see. Someone who's not had a chance to answer a question yet, maybe someone back here. Is there someone who can tell me, who can tell me uh, what we noticed about him? Yeah. He was reading a book, which was what book? The Bible, that's right. And because he was reading the Bible, something happened to him. What do we see there? What, what, what happened to him? There's a burden on his back. That's right. The burden on his back. And um, the burden is there because of something else that was terribly wrong in his life called sin. sin. That's right. And let's all say our definition of sin together, right? Sin is anything we think, say, do, or don't do that does not please God. That's right. Anything we think, say, or do, or even that we don't do that displeases or disobeys God. Very good. And so he had sin that he realized was a big part of his life and it created this big burden because what did that book tell him was going to happen because of that burden, Shelton? He was going to die. And so he was crying, wasn't he? Why was he crying? Why was he crying? Jude. Yes, because after he died, the Bible says something was going to happen called judgment, right? He was going to be judged by God, and was he going to be okay through that judgment? No, right? Because the penalty for sin is death. Now, we said that there's a city that he belonged to. And um, uh, uh, does anyone remember the name of the city? Do you remember the name of the city? No? Okay. The name of the city was, Michael? Destruction. The city of destruction. That's right. But while he was standing outside the city, he asked a question. Can anyone tell me the question that he was asking when he was standing out on the field reading that book? Yes? What can I do? What can I do to be saved? And who did he meet right at that moment? Who did he meet? Evangelist. Evangelist who told him where he could go. And where did Evangelist point him? All right, James? Uh, the light. Towards a light. That's right. And the light pictured two things to us. Can someone tell me the two things the light pictures? And um, Ernest? Okay, there was a gate. That's right. But the gate is supposed to picture something else too. Do you know what it is? He was listening. It's the gate. The gate pictures two things for us. Um, one of them is? Heaven. No, not heaven. Not heaven. The place where he's going to get the burden off his back. The place where he's going to get a burden off his back. It pictures Jesus and the word of God. The light, right? The light of the world is Jesus. Very good. Now, as we go back to our story tonight, we want to pick up where we left off. But before we go further, I just want to say a few things about this city of destruction. The city of destruction. It's not just because he lived there that the city was going to be destroyed, but the Bible tells us something about that city. The city is supposed to picture something for us also. Did we already say what that is? The city of destruction is supposed to picture for us the world, the world as a whole. And the Bible does talk about that. So I just want to have a few verses that... that, that talk about this before we go on and see where he goes as he flees 
the wrath of God that evangelists told him about. Now, we need a sword drill. So for those of you who can read and would like to be in the sword drill, you get your Bibles out because we're going to look these up. The first one, okay, you can raise that up. It comes from chapter 5, verse 19. First John, first John five nineteen. <laughs> yeah, that usually works better if you unzip your Bible first. All right, someone has already gotten there. Now listen, you can only win once a day per evening here per meeting here. So okay, Nathaniel, do you have that verse? Can you read it for me nice and loud? We we know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. Okay. So this verse is written to believers and his encouragement to the believers is that, hey, you belong to God, right? You know God. But when it comes to the world, it says that the whole world lies where? Where? Okay. No, no. Let's let's read that again. The whole world lies in the sway of who? The wicked one. The whole world is being swayed and controlled by the wicked one, which is which is Satan, right? And so when we think of the world, the very city that he lived in, it was being influenced and controlled and swayed by the wicked one himself. Isn't that a picture of this world? Here we are, and we're trying to do the best we can getting through a fallen, broken life and world because of sin, and the world around us is being controlled by the wicked one himself. Terrible, terrible situation. And why is that so terrible? Well, Here's what the Bible says. And then we have another sword drill to read about it, right? And we're going to look at this verse. And, and if you, uh, the adults, after we do this verse, if you turn to the same passage, we're going to read a couple more verses there. All right? Raise up your swords one more time. This is chapter 3, verse 10. Chapter 3, verse 10. 1 Peter. 1 Peter 3, 10. I think Daniel had that first. Can you come up here and read it for me, Daniel? Um, For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Okay, you had the right verse, but it was supposed to be 2 Peter 3.10, if you'll excuse me. So read. You can go ahead and turn the page. Read 2 Peter 3.10. This is to keep the speaker humble. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and when the heavens will pass away with a war, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. All right. See, that's talking about the future of this world. It's going to be destroyed. Not just the people who are in it because of sin, but this verse tells us that the very world itself is going to melt down with an intense heat. Both the earth and the works that are in them will be burned up. Now, God made us a promise. We just learned about it at Vacation Bible School, didn't we, right? Who was the mountain climber on Mount Ararat that God saved? You remember? Do you remember? It was Noah. That's absolutely correct. I know you didn't get a card last time, right? Sorry. And you didn't get one either. Boy, I'm slacking. There you go. And yes, Noah. And when Noah came out of the ark, after God saved him, he gave him a promise. Do you remember the promise? The rainbow tells us what? 
Remember the promise of the rainbow? What does it tell us? That he would never destroy the earth again with water. Right? He would never destroy the earth again with water. But will the earth be destroyed? Yes. The Bible tells us that it's going to be destroyed with a great heat and fire. And the very heavens and earth will be destroyed. The very elements will melt down. I I can't even begin to picture the nuclear reactions that will be going on at that time. And that's the destiny of this world. Why? Because of sin. And it was placed under a curse from the very beginning. And the danger of that is, and we get, oh, well, I told you I wanted to look at something else here, right? Here's where this is so much a good picture, not only of Bunyan's day, but our own, right? In 2 Peter 3, it says, Beloved, I write to you this second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by a reminder He says, verse 3, know this, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts and saying, where is this promise of God's coming? Here you tell me Jesus is coming back and he's going to take all these people back to heaven to be with him. Well, where is it? And they scoff about what the word of God says. But it says in verse 5 that these willfully forget. They choose to forget something. It says, by the word of God, the heavens were of old, and the earth stood out of the water and in the water, by which the world at that time perished, being flooded with water. It says the world was made by God's word, but then by God's word it was destroyed. And now by God's word, he says, he's going to be coming back. God has always kept his word. And so when these scoffers come along who willfully forget the faithfulness of God and just want to say, well, I don't see what he's doing. And they want to discourage us from believing God's word. He says, verse 8, Beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is like one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Do you hear that? The fact that God has not returned is not a sign of his failure to keep his promise, but rather his patience waiting for people like us to be saved. He's been waiting for 2,000 years since Jesus came and left, and he said he's coming back. But the fact that he hasn't come back is because he was waiting for you, and he's waiting for me, and he's waiting for the people outside who are passing by in their cars, our neighbors, the ones you're going to sit next to at school next week, the ones who we see driving into their garage across the street. People in our own families who have not believed the word of God. And so although the world will be destroyed, God is faithful and he's not forgotten his promise. He's just being patient. And, and yet at the same time he's being patient, there's another verse we need to look at. And without going to a sword drill, I'm just going to turn you to it. It's in Second Thessalonians chapter 2. See, because while God waits, there are people who will not receive his message and his offer of salvation to come to the light, to Jesus Christ. And someday the Holy Spirit, who now restrains the lawless one in this world, he restrains the wicked one, the devil himself. But someday he's going to pull back that restrainer. And at that time, here's what it says, Second Thessalonians 2.10. And with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, uh, 
Let me go back to verse 9. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, with all powers and signs and lying wonders, along with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they may all be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. God is basically saying, if you will harden your heart and not receive my offer of forgiveness, the truth of God, God will allow them to be deceived and to continue being deceived by the lie of Satan. And if they do that, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 tells us this. Where did it go? I'm sorry, was it 2 Thessalonians 1? 8. Yes, I'm sorry, it was 2 Thessalonians 1. He talked about how the people of God were being persecuted, but how it was going to reveal God's righteous judgment. And he says that it will be, verse 7, to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to what's waiting for those who reject Jesus. Verse 9, these shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. When he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among those who believe because our testimony among you was believed. He said, you who believe, you're going to be taken to be with the Lord in that heavenly city. But those who are left, who've rejected it, will be destroyed. And that's why in his story, he calls that city, a picture of the world, the city of destruction. This world's going to be destroyed, but not just the world, but every individual who refuses to take God's offer of forgiveness and come to the light. And that's what brings us to this next part of the story where Pilgrim ran into this man called Evangelist. Right? He's looking. Um, Are we in uh, PowerPoint number one or two? Because I don't think this was in number two. We're supposed to be in the PowerPoint number two, if you don't mind bringing that up, Andres. Thank you. Um, Evangelist comes and talks to Pilgrim. And, you know, boys and girls, men and women, we are supposed to be like evangelists, looking for the sinners who are looking for the answers. And praise God, he knows how to bring the two together. How many stories we hear of men who are crying out to God like Pilgrim was saying, what must I do to be saved? And suddenly God brings someone along who's looking for the lost ones to share with them. And uh, that's what we learned about this morning. One more question we asked this morning, too. Why is it that if everyone is a sinner, that not everyone has this burden? You know, there's two reasons that the Bible tells us. Number one, 2 Corinthians 4 says that the God of this world has blinded the minds of those who are unbelieving. They're blinded. They can't see it because it's a spiritual blindness. And until we let the light of God's word shine into our hearts, we will never see it. But praise God, someone brought the word of God to us. And so now we have had the chance to be saved and God wants us to do the same. The other reason is because those who reject it have been hardened. 
And Proverbs 29.1 says, Those who stiffen their neck repeatedly, one day it will snap and there will be no recovery. And so we need to be careful, our attitude towards the Word of God, that we're not hardening our hearts. We're listening, especially those who don't know the Lord. But the same is true for us as believers, right? We need to have an open heart to hear what God has to say to us. And Pilgrim is a good example of that kind of person. All right. Thank you, Andres, for catching us up to our PowerPoint. So he comes and evangelist tells him to go towards the light. Now, what I wanted to talk about briefly next is what happened. Remember, his family started yelling after him, saying, come back, come back. And there was actually two people who didn't just call him to come back, but they went after Pilgrim to catch him so that they could bring him back. And those two friends who ran after him have names, and we want to briefly talk about those two friends. The first one is this guy right here whose name is Obstinate. Can you say that with me? Obstinate. To be an obstinate person is to be a stubborn person, someone who is very strong-willed, refusing to be influenced by people around them. Now, you know, there is a, what we're going to learn about these two people is that there's a certain part of their character that is a good thing, right? Boys and girls, you especially are in danger of being uh, uh, pushed by your friends into doing things that you should not do. People your own age are called your peers, and so they call it peer pressure. Pressure from people your, your own age who want you to try to do something you should not do. Now, if you know the right thing to do, then you need to be strong in your decision to do the right thing rather than to be pushed into the wrong thing. That's a good thing. But see, a man like obstinate would not listen to anyone else who had anything different than his own thinking. And so he always was obstinate. He was stubbornly strong-willed. And so he could not be changed even to do the right thing if he was thinking the wrong way. And so that's the, way, the thing we want to be careful of, is that there will be people around you who want to pressure you into doing the wrong thing because they themselves have rejected the truth and will not listen to the truth of God's word. It's the people we were just reading about in the Bible. And see, that's what happened. As Pilgrim was walking along and these two friends come running up behind him, they said, Pilgrim, Pilgrim, come back. Why would you want to leave our wonderful city? There's so many nice things to do there. We have a comfortable house. And look at you. You're wandering off with this big burden. It's a miserable trip you're about to take. You certainly have no idea what you're doing. You need to come back. And so the pilgrim stops. And Graceless tells him, I can't go back. You tell me it's a wonderful place. But I now know what the place really is. It's the city of destruction. destruction. And the world is going to be destroyed by God. And unless we can find the way of deliverance, we will all be destroyed. And so Obstinate says to him, what in the world are you talking about? Where do you get this kind of information? And where did he get it from? The Bible. He got it from the Bible. And so he began to show him the Bible. And you know what Obstinate did when he wanted to show him the Bible? He scoffed. He made fun of it. <laughs> that silly old book, that old book, it doesn't know anything about life today. You don't need to listen to that. And he wanted to make fun of what the Bible was saying to be true 
about sin and about the destruction of the world and how someone can find deliverance. But Christian was, he knew now and he believed that the Bible was true. And so he told him, he said, no, listen, my friends, you will be destroyed too. Come with me and join me. I'm on my way to a celestial city. Now, what's the word celestial city mean? Can anyone tell me what the celestial city is supposed to picture in our story? Let me see. Isabel, do you know? Heaven, right? The celestial city is a heavenly city. And he says, listen, I'm on my way to a heavenly city. This book tells me all about it. And he began to tell them about what heaven will be like. Oh, the streets are going to be paved with gold rather than dirt and cement. And the, the Lord himself will be there. And there will be angels and singing. And we'll never have any sin or problems or pains. It's going to be a wonderful place. And again, what do you think Obstinate did when he heard all of that? What do you think he did, Jaina? He made fun of it some more. Well, no sooner did he make fun of it than his other friend began to talk. His other friend is called pliable, which means soft and bendable, right? Now, this person is someone who is easily chained from one thing to another. Just like when you pick up your Play-Doh and you squeeze it, right? It's easy to make all different kinds of shapes, right? And Pliable was that kind of a person. Even if he wanted to do one thing, if his friends all said, no, 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 you got to do this, he would give in to them, even if it was a bad thing. Now, again, remember, we said there's certain parts of this that are good, right? If you wanted to go in the wrong direction and you have a good friend who knows the Lord, who says, no, 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 don't do that. That's sinful. That's going to dishonor God. We need to do this. Wouldn't it be a good idea to change your mind and follow their advice and do what the Bible says? That would be a good thing, right? And so we need to be bendable by the right people and the right things, namely the word of God. But see, both of these were stubborn at being one way or the other. This one was always bendable and pliable. This guy was always stubborn and obstinate. And they were dangerous as a result. You know who the Bible says pliable is like? You remember the story of the parable of the soils? It's in uh, three of the Gospels. But in Luke chapter 8, he tells us, Jesus explains the parable. Remember, this is a, a kind of a parable story. But Jesus used parables, and in this story, he said the, the word of God was like seed that a farmer scatters on the ground. But all the seed doesn't bring forth a crop. Some of it falls on the sidewalk where the ground is very hard. And as soon as it falls there, the birds come and take it away, and it never even gets through the ground. Who does that remind you of in our story? Someone whose heart is hard that won't listen to the word of God. Who does that remind us of? Who were you going to say? You were going to say obstinate? Okay. Well, you're listening. Well, keep paying attention. Good job. Yes, obstinate. See, he's like that hard ground where the seed never makes it even beginning into the heart. He just rejects it from the beginning. But some people, they will listen. The Bible says that the seed fell on some soil where it actually went through the ground. But in this one particular kind of soil where it was rocky... The seed could never take root. 
And so because it could never take root, as soon as the sun came out and it took all the water out of the, the surface of the sand, the seed died. And it never brought any kind of grain or fruit from it. And the Bible says that person is like pliable because he had no root in himself. See, the word of God, you need to let come into your own heart and let it take root. Like when you put a seed into the ground and you cover it up and you water it so that it will grow and the roots grow down into the soil. And even if it doesn't get water for a few days, those roots are planted in a place where they will grow. And the Bible says that's the way we need to be. But pliable? He never really believed the message. So although he said, that, wait a minute, obstinate, don't, don't make fun of him. What he's talking about sounds pretty good. He said, I think I'd like to join him on his journey to the celestial city. And oh, obstinate, he said, what are you, a fool? I'm leaving you both. And obstinate turned around and went home. He just totally left the pilgrim and pliable. And the two of them started out on their journey together. But see, what we're going to learn is that Pliable was curious, but not serious. Lots of people, they'll listen to what you have to say, but they won't really take it in because they're curious, but not serious about their situation before God. And as they walked along, they started talking. He said, tell me more about this heaven place. And he said, oh, yeah. And he talked about the Bible. He told him about what heaven would be like. He's reading him the scriptures. But there's something that you notice as you go along about pliable what is missing in the life of pliable did you see it he doesn't have a burden here he is he says he wants to go to heaven he says he wants to join him on the path to the celestial city and yet he has no burden and so as they go along and they're talking about these wonderful things, suddenly they find themselves falling into this swamp, this slough. I always liked that word. It just sounded nasty. This slough, a muddy, muddy place that just kind of soaked them right in and they were, they were starting to drown. And so even though they were talking about heaven, suddenly Pliable starts calling out, Hey, Pilgrim! Where are we now? This doesn't sound like the wonderful place that you have been telling me all about. Knock him over there. Yes, they fell right into the slough. And so they end up in this swampy pit and, and, and Pliable, who was so kind to, to the pilgrim, suddenly he's turning against him. And he says, what happened to this nice journey you're telling me about? I thought we were supposed to have golden streets. If this is the way things are going and we're just barely setting out, what's it going to be like later? And so Pliable began to fight his way through that mud and he fought and fought until he got himself out of that mud closest to the side of his home and he turned right around and went back. You know why he went back? Because he had no burden. If he would have realized to go back to the city of destruction means I'm going to be forever lost in the lake of fire and hell, would he have gone back? No, but he never believed that to be true about him. And so although he was kind of going along with Christian, he was excited about this whole journey, he never had the root of faith in himself. And brothers and sisters, this is what we got to be careful for. There are people who are in, in troubles today. 
and they see the hope that we have and they want to come alongside and they get excited. They may even join us in Bible study for a while and they may get excited about the things that they're learning. But unless they have the hope of personal faith in the Bible themselves, unless they first see how lost they are, then they're never really going to forsake those things that are in their hearts to turn to Christ. And like pliable, the day will come. And that's what the parable says in Luke chapter 7. When, because they had no root in themselves, as soon as persecution came because of the word, as soon as there was some difficulty because of something related to the word, they just jettisoned the whole thing. They cast it aside. And therefore, there was never any real salvation, never, no real fruit in their lives. And so there are people who might be around us who sound like they're believers. They sound like they're Christians, but really they're not. They've just been like pliable, going along for the ride because it sounded nice with no real conviction of sin and personal need for salvation. But see, that's not true of our, our pilgrim. He suffered in there and he said, I can't go back. I can't go back. And so he struggled and he struggled to go forward and to try to see if there was a way out of the slough of despond. That's what that place is called, the slough of despond. And the word despond is really the idea of of not having hope. And um, I want to talk briefly about that. While Pilgrim was struggling in this pit, in this swamp, this slew of hopelessness, and of despair, he called out, Help! I need help! And you know who God sent? Help. That's his name. That man's name is Help. What's his name? Help. help. That's right. So, you know, if you are ever in a difficult situation and you suddenly realize, Oh, I better pray. And you can say, Lord, help! You think he hears prayers like that? He does. Oh, he does. Does he answer prayers like that? Yes. That's why Bunyan included this man in his story. Pilgrim wanted to do the right thing. He wanted to obey what he believed about God's word. I need to get away from the city of destruction. This man pointed me towards the light, and the light is leading him towards the gate where he'll find instructions on how he can have his, his burden removed. And, and while he's on his way, he's struggling. He doesn't know how to go forward, but he said, Help, Lord. And God sent Brothers and sisters, I don't know what you're going through in your life, but I want to encourage you, call out to the Lord for help in whatever situation you're going through, and he will hear. Call upon me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. So the Lord sent help. Well, you know, when help began to pull the pilgrim out of the swamp, he asked help. He said, listen. Certainly the Lord of this place, meaning God, he must know about this place. Why is it they haven't fixed the place so that the ground is, is solid so that we can get to where we're supposed to go? Isn't that a good question? And here's what he said. This place is the way it is because when a person comes under the conviction of sin, there are all kinds of negative unlikable emotions and feelings that come with it. We begin to feel guilty. Are we guilty? 
when we sin? We are. Should we feel guilty? Well, yes, we should. Well, then we also begin to feel ashamed. Remember Adam and Eve? When they sinned and they heard God coming, the God who loved them, who made them, what did they do? Do you remember what Adam and Eve did when God came looking for them? That's right. They began, why would they hide if God loved them? But they felt ashamed of their sin. And so they wanted to run away from God, even though he's the one that loved them. He's the only one who could help them. And so they began to feel dirty because of their sin. So dirty that they felt they had to make themselves their own coverings, right? And so what kind of coverings did Adam and Eve make for themselves? What kind of covering did they make? Leaves, right? And they made them as pretty as they could make them. Designer leaves. Right? But could God accept leaf coverings as a covering for sin? No. God could not accept that as a covering for sin. And so, and so what could they do? They were hiding. They had their best. But it was not acceptable to God. And so the only thing that they could do was wait for God to show them his solution. And, and, and it's interesting the way that that Bunyan puts this in the story. He says it like this. Many thousands have set themselves to give instructions as to how to get through that swamp. Many of them based on the very word of God. And yet even when pilgrims are trying to make their way to the cross, they miss God's steps. God has placed the steps in his word on how to reach the cross. But the way sometimes is filled with this swamp that wants to swallow us up in despair and cause us to give up hope and to stop trying. And so we read God's word and we're trying to get to where he wants us to go, but we realize, oh man, I did it again. And the guilt and the shame wants to pull us down. But if we can fix our eyes on those steps, those solid places that say, Call upon me and I will answer you and show that your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. What does it have to say? And keep our eyes fixed on God's word. Then he can navigate us through that swamp. That's what Peter did, right? That, that prayer that I called out a minute ago, Lord, save me. Lord, help. Isn't that what Peter prayed when he got out of the boat, right? He said, Lord, if that's really you. Let me call me out of the boat under the water. And he stepped out and he started to walk and he did fine while his eyes were on Jesus, right? Remember, that's what evangelists told him to do. You keep your eyes on that light. Look towards the Lord and you will see the way to the gate. You'll find your way to the right place if you keep your eyes on there. But what happened when he got his eyes on the waves around him? Peter sunk right into the water, didn't he, right? And so when he got his eyes off the Lord and on his circumstances, he began to sink just like pilgrims. But when he called out to the Lord again, the Lord reached out his hand and lifted Peter up and they walked back to the boat. When, when Pilgrim called out for help, God sent help to, to point him in the right direction again towards Jesus Christ. That's the help that God wants to give us. But my brothers and sisters, the enemy doesn't want us to hear those messages. When we're down, what's the last thing we want to do? The last thing we want to do is to get out of our nap on Sunday afternoon and come back to a meeting. After a long day's work by Wednesday, the last thing we want to do after dinner is to gather everyone up and come back to a prayer meeting and Bible study. And yet how many times 
For those of us who have fought through that and said, no, it's where we really need to be, and we make ourselves go on the way home, we said, you know, that was really good. I'm glad we were here tonight. Because we begin to lose our focus on Christ so easily. But we need to keep our eyes on the light. And sometimes we need help to do that. And sometimes you are Mr. Help or Miss Help that God wants to send to encourage someone else who's struggling in the slew of despond. They're feeling dragged down by the events of the week. They've failed in their walk of sin this week. And they're struggling, feeling like they're sinking in that mire. And it could be that a conversation with you is what that person needs to be able to be pointed back to the light. And so the Bible tells us, doesn't it? Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Don't stop coming together as believers to be available to one another, to be like help, to point one another on the path again towards the light. Well, that's as far as we get in our journey tonight. Pilgrim has... Timmy, would you like to move him out of the swamp again and put him on the other side? Help has arrived. He called out to the Lord and found him faithful. And the scoffer obstinate, oh, if he'd have been there, oh, what would he have had to say? Pliable said it himself. But see, Pliable left him. Left him alone to struggle in the slough. But we don't have to be alone. God is here. And he's given us one another as well to encourage each other not to get swallowed up in the slough, the swamp of hopelessness and despair but to be able to come out on the other side, keeping our eyes fixed upon Jesus. Now, you notice his burden is still there. At this point, our pilgrim's not even a Christian yet, but he's on his way. Why? Because he's reading the Bible. He's in the Word. He's listening to the truth, and he's believing it, and he's responding to it. Let's ask God to help us to keep responding to his word this week. Father, as we close our time together tonight, we want to thank you for your word. Thank you that, that you tell us the truth about this world that we live in. We live in the city of destruction. We live in a world that not only is broken, but will be destroyed. But we thank you, although you will not destroy it with water, and yet you will destroy it by fire, you still, in your patience, are waiting for more to come to the knowledge of the truth that they might be saved out of that destruction and find deliverance through our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we want to thank you once again for those who are faithful with the Word of God as evangelists to come to us, to open the Word of God to us, to meet us in our times of hopelessness, to share with us the only hope that there is, that Jesus Christ found in the Gospel, of, uh, found in your Word. And Father, we just want to ask you again, would you please give us a burden like evangelists in our story, who wouldn't just sit back and wait for pilgrims to happen across his path, but he was out searching for those fields to find a searching sinner looking for the Savior. And Father, we want to ask you this week, as we head on our way home, that, that you would awaken in us a desire to be that kind of evangelist, to be ready and able and willing to take the time, make the time, to talk to the lost around us, to point them towards Jesus Christ, the light. They might be delivered from their sin. Father, I want to pray for young and old alike here. I know that there must be some who have not come to the place yet where they see that they have a burden of sin, where they need to put their trust in Jesus Christ. And I pray that even tonight would be the night where they say, Lord, please save me. Send the help necessary their way tonight to help them understand 
how to put their trust in Jesus Christ and be saved. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, everyone.